So welcome everyone to the next Caterpillar podcast today without a Jedi because it doesn't feel well, but we have our reoccurring guest, Yusril, at start. Good evening, good evening. And of course, I have brought along Yeet, the cuddly shark, because you, you can't do this without a mascot, can you? Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so, so an, an, another week, and we've, considering it's patch week, uh, we've got a fair few things to cover. So, unusually for Wargaming, they've put out a known issues article, and this is another nice change to see from them, that they're being upfront about, okay, this isn't working right. Because old, old bad Wargaming, the one we rioted <laughs> against, yeah, come on, when was the last time you got them to actually be upfront and admit stuff straight away until you'd actually dragged it out of them with wild horses? Oh, very, very true. It's although a very short known issues article, but it's a good start. I hope they do things like that more in the future. Absolutely. The first known issue is containers are not opening in the order they were required. And basically the statement to that is that they just changed uh, how containers are open. So this isn't really an issue in that sense. It's more a clarification that they've made a change on how container openings work and that they plan to change it even further in the future. Yes. Um, the potential hiccup there is how this is going to knock onto Christmas containers. Because if somebody bulk buys Christmas containers under this system, then remember that container contents used to be rolled when you bought the container. Now they're rolled when mm -hmm. you open the container. So potentially what could happen here is if you bulk buy a bunch of mega containers and some big Santa boxes and some eagle bitty Santa boxes, but you open the mega ones first. So that yeah. may knock onto the conditions. We're going to need to see the fine print on this. But okay, fair enough. They're being straight up about it. Honestly, I don't think it's a change most people had even noticed, but clearly someone had. And they've decided to be open about it. Also, bug that had been going around on the Reddit. SAP traces are appearing white rather than red. In particular, this had been reported on the Napoli, because that's, I think, the most used ship that actually uses SAP for its secondaries. Yep. I mean, so... I'm, I'm not too concerned with secondary main guns would a bit more an issue, because obviously you want to know which ammunition you're being shot with, right? Because you might need to angle against something like that. But uh, for Napoli, if it's mostly Napoli secondaries, I think it's not the worst thing. It's I nice for to... them to just go out and admit it. I, I, it's nice for them, as I say, this is, this is another nice little step to see from Wargaming on their road back to a company we can like rather than merely tolerate, and sometimes not even that. <laughs> but honestly, I... I can't think of is there a ship beyond Napoli that uses secondaries? I mean maybe the Annapolis because that, if memory serves, has got well amounts to an Austin strapped to either side for its secondaries but I can't offhand think of another ship that uses this oh, Marco Polo, I think that uses SAP secondaries as well could but be I, yeah, I'd also note that if you're in secondary range of either of those Somebody has screwed up somewhere. 
Well, uh, I mean, let's just say if you're in secondary range, your main concern is probably not like trying to angle against secondaries or something. You you, you have far bigger issues. Yeah, um, I, I I don't think anyone can argue that. Moving on, and okay, the King of the the North Carolina camo that was promised for King yeah. of the Sea, it was temporarily not where it should have been. But apparently they have fixed that now, so huzzah. Yeah, as, so as of today, it should be fixed. Yeah, as of just under eight hours ago. Um, and yeah, as I say, it's nice to see them being upfront about problems in a patch. And saying, yes, we know about this, we're working on it, it's in hand. So that is another very pleasant step to see from Wargaming. Uh, speaking of pleasant steps, just small, uh, like la last week we've discussed on the podcast the, the survey and we went through the submarine survey. As it turns out, that survey was not intended for everyone because Sub Octavian then commented on Reddit and said that basically all those comments are not gonna be considered because if you weren't personally invited by email, then your answers are meaningless. Ah. Well, okay, personally, I would still have used the data, but I might perhaps have considered the source a little bit. I'm, I mean, it kind, it, of, a... it kind of sits ill that he's got this data and he's disregarding it, even if it's yeah. something you take with a pinch of salt and you consider the source. But, um, hmm, okay, I, I, I missed that, I have to admit. Yeah, it, it was, he, he took a few days, and then he preached, basically just posted on Reddit, and he said that uh, the way they do service is they send uh, people an email, and he said something like they send it to about 100,000 people, randomized, who have played more than five battles in in that patch, and uh, he claimed that asking more people doesn't like give them better data. And while I understand mm. that at a certain point you have a viable sample size of the community. An issue like uh, like submarines, they really could have asked everyone. Like, it's... it's uh, Especially since they said that they'd be all listening to feedback, and submarines are probably one of the biggest changes that the game has ever seen. It's yeah. definitely a topic where you want to ask everyone. I would... Again, this is one of those things where I it's, it's a bit of they're discarding the data... I would perhaps, as you say, though, consider, okay, how many games has this person actually played in subs versus what are they saying? How many games have they played against subs as well? So if someone comes on and says, subs are overpowered, monstrosities, etc., etc., nerf, kill, main burn, and it turns out they've played no games in subs and have been up against a sub maybe three times in randoms, okay, Am I going to take that more or less seriously than someone who's played 20, 30, 100 games in subs, 40, 50, 200 games against them? So... <sighs> I mean, the requirement yeah. for being eligible to be sent the survey was like five uh, battles in random battles. You could have never met the submarine, right, and still gotten the survey. So, it, it's mm -hmm. well, according to them, it's like randomized. So, a lot... People that might have gotten the survey can't even like properly answer it. But that was why the first question I think was if you have 
uh, played against submarines or if you have tested them yourselves, right? They asked yes. that in the survey. But it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it, it feels like after people have been praising them for actually doing a survey, even though it was a bit weird because the changes were already announced for submarines when the survey came. But, uh, and Wargaming's answer that was, yeah, you know what, uh, this all goes to the shredder. Yeah, um, that I will admit is a, okay, you, what, I mean, thank you for the honesty, but, um, <laughs> you're chucking away what is potentially a very nicely expanded data set here. Uh, speaking of the subreddit and sub-Octavian, there was an amusing one that went up about nine hours ago on the subreddit. Uh, a player contacted Wargaming Player Support um, and uh, discovered, well, they had named their play, their player account after an actress of the <clears throat> persuasion somehow okay. wargaming staff noticed which uh raises an interesting question about what some of wargaming staff are doing in their spare time um and the name was initially declared inappropriate and sub actually got onto the thread and said okay yes this is meme worthy but we are actually going to have to revert that ban and uh, it doesn't break the rules and sorry. So, hmm. Yes. As someone else commented, there's going to be an interesting conversation at work in the office on Monday morning. <laughs> uh, and also hello to Acting Outlaw and Capsis. Also from the uh, subreddit and in another bit of Late breaking good news. Score timer is back. For those of you not familiar with it, score timer has been, was an absolute boon to those of us who were casting competitive because what it does mm -hmm. is it looks at the scores and it looks at the cap state and it looks how fast you're scoring. It basically works out who's going to cap out first at the current position and how long until they do it. And for the past couple of patches, this has been broken. And it was broken during the last King of the Sea. I don't know if you were casting for that any time. I wasn't. Uh, no, I have never casted King of the Sea. Hmm. But if you were watching Kinsley, you, you'll know, you might have noticed that that timer was missing. It's back. Uh, it has been announced again on the summit just a few hours ago. Score timer is back. Apparently, Aslanes has got it. The mod station has got it. Uh, a third party managed to convert the code over into the correct libraries and way we can now see how long it is until our opponents cap out so we can yell even louder at our teammates or vice versa. Wouldn't it be nice if they just finally implemented that into the main game? Like early, early on, early on, like I felt like Wargaming looked at mods and they just took several things and implemented them into the game. Like for example, the, 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 the aiming point that you can see on the minimap and things like that. But I just stopped. Like, early on, they were like, okay, mods might have some interesting ideas, so we can't really block them anyway and they give an advantage, so why don't we implement them into the game? But I feel like at a certain point, they were like, yeah, we, we don't care anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, as you say, the map aiming indicator, they implemented it, but they didn't implement it at full precision. So in the mod yeah. version, you have an X showing you your precise point of aim. The standard version just has that little circle. So you can drop your shells into the right postcode. But precision fire, not so much. 
but yeah, I, I would love to see score timer in the base climb. That would be very nice. Ditto uh, option to set frame rate cap, which is nothing that's kind of broken and had to be tweaked under the hood recently, um, as well as things like version replay folders and... Uh, yeah. I mean, let's face it, the Nomogram gun site. Um, and shall we hunt down the rancor? Uh, no water. Nobody has eaten a Jedi. He has contracted some sort of spes flu. We're not entirely sure what. I'm, I'm sure Sam is not to blame and is lovingly taking care of Jedi. Either that or he's killed him in his <laughs> body. Either way, uh, we'll find out next week. So, yeah, uh, the Reddit has generally actually... Yes, also another thing that slipped in very, very quietly in the superships has been that you recall that they used to have a problem, allegedly, where they couldn't run a mission past the end of the calendar year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the superships mission, if you look at it, supposedly this is a bug, but I haven't seen official confirmation from Wargaming on the point yet. It shows something but, like 3,000 days or something like that. Exactly. Um, so that would be... If that's the case, if they have nailed that bug, that gets rid of a lot of minor nuisances, particularly towards the end of the calendar year. If it's uh, if it's not a bug and there's a genuine fix. As I say, there's a bit of confusion on the point. I mean, I it, it always has seemed weird that I felt uh, that they claimed that this is something that they couldn't do. I mean, it's it's like it's it has always smelled more like an excuse that they were unwilling to to do that. I am not a programmer. I am not wise to the ways of the spaghetti and the code. I know not the logic <laughs> of the booleans, nor do I know the mysteries of the XOR statement. Therefore, I am not going to comment on what is or is not possible in their programming. <laughs> uh, uh, true. They true. made some very interesting things possible, like the, the torpedo box. So I guess yes. uh, programming code works in mysterious ways. And bear in mind that it is a web interface on top of a client that is, I think at its core, is about 10 years old now. Um, I think they're still using the Big World engine. So weirdness is occasionally to be expected. Um, you know, there, I, there, is I, a, there is an interesting thing since you're talking about it. Like if it, I mean, a lot of the menus in game, like basically browser windows, right? If you connect to the armory and so on. But yep. there are certain times, like that there have been patches, sometimes months, where I couldn't open them up in-game. But I can always open them in the browser, right? So if I open my browser, yeah. I can connect to the armor in a problem. But if I try in-game, I can't. Yes, and I, I haven't had that myself. But it is nice that 10.0 has finally, I think, seen browser hardware acceleration come in. Uh, I don't know if you noticed. I can't open the armory a... since yesterday, so before it worked. Oh, well, 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 <laughs> okay, scratch that line of thinking. It, it was it was nice, fine in turbo, unless it went turbo straight into the harbour wall, popped a leak and sank. So once Atom's dredged out the channel and refloated his armory, well, we'll go from there. But when it works, it works great. I've noticed it working a great deal faster in port now. 
I mean, I, I see. I also have like, uh, I'm one of the unfortunate few that has ping issues since about two weeks. So I'm playing more like a PowerPoint presentation these days than a. Oh. Ah, yeah, that is unfortunate. Uh, I I've had a few. I I've had well. I'm just I'm just blaming Scottish internet from all my woes. But there we go. So moving on, ten points are obviously. Pretty, pretty water, I think, is the first thing I've oh, yeah. noticed. I mean, the visual overhaul has been brilliant. No oh, question yes. about that. But we've got a ton of other stuff to cover as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest topic, probably the super ships. That are now, uh, oh, well, I, at least the first topic that's mentioned. The super ships are now in ranked battles. I mean, I haven't played any yet, and I don't really like ranked battles. They're in co-op as well. Um, oh. If you can play them in cop, they will be oh, in yeah. rank. Ranked goes live next week, I believe. But unfortunately, I got cold yesterday. I I spent most of yesterday evening watching Pains' charity stream and binging mm-hmm. through co-op battles to get tokens stashed away. So I am probably going to muck about with those tomorrow. I got the drop today with the first of the one-day rentals. Uh, oh, the super ships. So, I mean, Satsuma and Hanover, we all were all vaguely familiar with. Um, Conde, Annapolis, Yamagiri, and Zorki. Right. Uh, where do you want to start with these? Because I say I have got no practical experience. I mean, at the helm I, of any of them. I don't have either, and there have been changes in testing. I'm not sure with which versions are currently like life how the auto loaders work i mean i know that like mm-hmm. the the cruisers basically i think both have an auto loader and we know that the battleship satsuma has like increased accuracy for main guns and can trigger hanover has it for secondaries and the yamagiri i think has like the, the torpedo switch yes and, and the i big forgot thing what zorki I've... has uh zorki has the burst fire turret as well same as ah. annapolis and conde uh, I think the big thing this time around for super ships, well, let's be honest here, somewhere between tier 10.5 and tier 11, is that the limit breaks, they were automatically triggering last time. You couldn't control when they popped. You filled the meter, off yeah. it went. This time around, it is charge up and manually triggered. So you press F, charge up, press F, away you go. Have fun. Um, yes, Water. I, oh, believe me, I've noticed, you really noticed it in the submarines. I don't think they've actually added a little avatar of somebody, um, relieving themselves over the side, but, uh, it's definitely, the ch- pitch and roll is definitely there. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, uh, I've seen it with a destroyer in battle, and it looked pretty cool when you're moving forward and the ship rocks a little bit, like left and right and so on. It feels like you might actually be moving at water now. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, the smaller the ship, the more noticeable it gets, which is absolutely right. Um, as far as the super ships go, go, okay, we'll see how they work out. Um, Annapolis, I swear, somebody supersized the Des Moines and then strapped two Austins to the side for the secondary <laughs> battery. Um, that is the only thing I can think of. I've seen a few of those running around. Mostly they've exploded, which may or may not say very much about them. Then again, they were mostly bot-controlled, so make of that what you will. 
I mean, the um, problem that cruisers always have is that overmatch is just uh, a big... I'm not sure if those have... Do they have, like, 32... If you don't have 32 millimeter of armor, then you'll have a bad time, because you're just a very big target that gets overmatched anywhere. Well, if you have 32 millimeters of armor, Yamato still does not care, and neither sure. does Satsuma. And, in fact, I don't think Hanover cares either. Oh, true. Cali- they, they are, they are, they are making 32 even more obsolete these days, I suppose. Well, let's be honest here. If you were in a cruiser and a battleship was looking at you funny, unless it was French or possibly high, mid to high tier German, it was still a case of dodge, duck, weave, and hope you can donk it off the belt at high angle. Yeah. Because if you just tried to face tank it, you would very swiftly get reminded that you were not, in fact, in a battleship and that was not going to work. Ha ha, see you in port. Better luck next time. Um, Conde. Conde, I still do not understand Conde's funnel. Um, I would love to know where they got that split funnel design from. It looks weird. That was my first thought. Um, the first picture I thought was at a slightly awkward angle, and it looked like somebody put a rotate, put the old French style of rotating funnel, but it just hadn't worked somehow and then i saw it in game and i've saw, seen this picture and i'm just thinking why unless they were worried about smoking up the radio and aerials <laughs> which seems an unusually petty concern i honestly i would yeah. love to know if there's a historical precedent for that because i have never seen a funnel arrangement done like that before i think the best part was where you uh, you went like why because it really looks like a why. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So maybe <laughs> I should have said pourquoi. Uh, because I I I I got nothing. <laughs> it's neither. the short answer it's, uh, that I got nothing on that design. Uh, somebody probably thought it looked cool. I would well, presume. For all wargaming's occasional necessity of late to reach for the paper um they do generally stick to stuff that is at least a reasonable extrapolation of what was built well that is so off that is so off the wall that i honestly do not know where they got it from and i would love to know because i'm i'm thinking there's got to be a precedent in there somewhere I mean, I'd ask Drac, but, well, I think he's still... Actually, he probably has recovered from that time when we asked him about French pre-dreadnoughts. Maybe <laughs> we can ask him about French post-war cruisers. He might not run screaming. I mean, I have no idea how deep they had to reach for those super ships, or if they have completely decided to, to I don't know. Well... The the Yamagiri is a fairly reasonable extrapolation of the Shimakaze. That's fair enough. The Zoki, I have no idea. I'm assuming there's a uh, Soviet project in there somewhere. The Soviets did a lot. The Annapolis, again, is a reasonable extrapolation. Okay, they you take the Des Moines turrets, you bulk it up, and you swap out the 5-inch for what looked like Austin five-inch turrets, so that's a reasonable what-if. The Hanover, 
and the Satsuma, well, we all yeah. know the Satsuma's provenance and the Hanover ditto. Um, it, I, I, it, the only thing this is making me go, pourquoi, is that funnel design on the Conde. Uh, written water looks like a V8 charger out of Mad Max. Hmm. I sail, I sink, I sail again. That, I, mean, I mean, the attitude does kind of work for all the warships, doesn't it? I guess we just have to remain confused for now. I'll ask. But Jack. I wouldn't. I, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if comes up. If somebody just thought they were creative. I mean, there is like, there is still the, what was it, the, the Zeton also, the German T-Ray. Uh, they, they, they sometimes do weird things. Maybe, maybe. Um, I, w- I was wondering if somebody had been looking a little too much at the Type 45s, but there you go. So, moving on. Um, let's see. Oh, yes, Arms Race is back. Yes. Again, I'd say I was binging out on co-op last night, so I haven't had time to play this. Well, I mean, I was just, I wasn't playing, I haven't been playing it yet. I was mostly fighting the ping and I was, it, it's a losing battle for the most part. I'll tell you what, if you ever have like a ping of over a thousand, don't try playing in Atlanta. It just doesn't work. If I, if I ever have a ping of over a thousand, I am yanking every connection, finding what's loose, and then I am going and complaining to my ISP using as many salty words as I think I can get away with. But because... my ISP is unfortunately not at fault, so I can't yell at them because I can play any other game. I can even stream without a single frame drop. It's just the modern war gaming's and like my connection to war gaming is somewhat screwed. Ah, that's unfortunate. So how exactly did your uh, ping end up taking a 300,000 kilometer detour? I have no idea. It's just got bored, I guess, and lost on the way. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. jumping. The, the sad thing is it's, there are moments where it works, where it's like at 30, and then it jumps to two or 300 or so, and then it just goes for 1,000, and then suddenly you start teleporting, and ships start not properly fading in and out, and they just plop back on, and then suddenly a ship appears, and it's... it's um, it's an interesting experience, I tell you. Ah, th- this is the Chinese definition of interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Especially if you dodge a torpedo and then it hits you like 10 meter in the side of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely interesting. But, but... In- Arms Race is something I'm looking forward to playing if my connection gets fixed again at some point. Uh, also, I don't think it has submarines in it, so that's already a plus. This is true. Submarines are currently confined to randoms and co-op. So, uh, yeah, they've toned down the healing buff, and I will admit what did establish pretty quickly last time we had arms race was get the heal points above all else. Um, as I say, I haven't had a chance to play this yet, so, uh, yeah, we'll. I'll get some time in. Hopefully, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully, I mean, they have. Gods. They have stated in in the past when they said that they're bringing it back that they are going to test it and want to eventually implement it in random battles. So I'm really looking forward when if they they make that mode permanent 
because Amos Race has always been fun. It's just wasn't there. Mm. But well, there were reason. I yeah, we'll, we'll see how how it does in the random rotation. I'll admit to a little bit of lingering doubt on that point, but uh, on the other hand, it does mix up random battles if they add it in. So, hey, we've been working with uh, zone control and standard battle for years now. Let's have another mode in and get a bit more variety. Go for it. Uh, What's next? Oh, yes, Novorossiysk. Absolutely, totally not the uh, old Junior Bruto. I, I do you remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah. That. I mean, that. I'm, I can't really remember how how it formed, but mm, it it so f- background for those of you who aren't familiar, of course. The Novorossiysk is the Julia Cesare in post-war Russian service. Uh, she bimbled, as I remember it, she bimbled around the Black Sea for a bit, and then she hit a mine in the early 1950s, and that was pretty much that. But a couple of years ago, when the Julia Cesare had been out for a bit and it was turning out to be an overpowered little mo- murder boat down at Tier 5, yeah. Wargaming very briefly trialed a Tier 6 version the Junior Bruto, as they called it at the time. And there was some suggestion that they might just unilaterally replace the Junior Cesare. Uh, The community rioted, and that was the end of that. So what we have got here, assuming they don't tweak anything else, and we'll see how it does in testing, is basically, I would presume the same again. So a Cesare with slightly upgraded plate on the extremities to bring it into line with tier six. Um, from what I remember, she only really suffered once you stacked her up against the tier eights. But uh, at the time, six eight spreads were pretty common in the matchmaker. I, I mean, uh, it, that was an entirely different game back then, let's be honest. Right? That was, this uh, is also true. It was, I think, before like the, even the carrier rework. Yeah, it was. Um, and, oh, that's actually another thing. The Junior Bruto, of course, had Italian AA. I don't remember if the Soviets regunned the anti-air suite on the, once they got her as Novorossiysk. So, Soviet 37s rather than Italian 20s or 40s? Might make for a slightly better anti-air bite in the mid-ranges. Also, I mean, the, the most interesting part is you can get it for free, right? Yes. Uh, so I mean, I haven't looked at the missions yet, but... They haven't gone live yet. That's happening next week. So five themed combat mission groups. You yep. almost wonder what, why they aren't doing this in the campaign interface. I, I've wondered so many things. Like, they... They they just create more and more things that do the same thing in a way for no reason. It feels like like the the campaign interface worked pretty well and it was a fun thing and they absolutely abandoned it for some reason. And then they did like the the with the Missouri they did this web campaign for 
I don't know no reason. Uh, uh, I didn't pay any real attention to that. I was too busy rioting at the time. Uh, apparently, Water just popped up and noted that, according to Killabin, yes, they did extensively refit the AA suite. So, yeah, Italian battleship with Soviet anti-air suite. So I'm sure it that... won't shoot down a plane regardless. Well, we'll see. The Soviet 37 got pretty nasty once you put a decent fire control system on top of it. Of course, whether you can cram a decent fire control system into a 20-plus year, well, sorry, 20-, 30-year-old battleship at that point that's had at least one major rebuild already. Can I get back to you on that one? <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see uh, how she does next week. We'll, we also will have to see where the missions go next week because yeah. they could be good, they could be horrific, they could be somewhere in the middle, and I'm sure you'll have a large variety of opinion on the point. Speaking of shooting down aircraft, Soviet carriers are here, comrade. And yeah. uh, surprisingly little rejoicing on the point. Yeah, there are surprising, well, or unsurprisingly many carriers out there. It was not pleasant. Yeah, they're they're interesting. I did get a chance to test them briefly before everything blew up in the summer, and we all got kicked. Well, we left. Um, but they these are standoff carriers. They're designed to operate out at maximum range, which does mean that fighters and close-range anti-air do relatively little to them. On the flip side, they have dethroned the Germans as squishiest aircraft in the game. So if a Soviet carrier driver makes a mistake and does get close, he's going to get quite badly chewed up by massed anti-air. Yeah, I mean, um, badly is a relative term, and they they basically they can all drop from perfect safety with their planes. So in, in theory, they have a weakness, but in reality, Wargaming designed them so that it's not a weakness. Yeah. And we'll see how this plays out. On the other hand, if you are dropping from that far out, you are adding those extra few seconds for evasion. So, I mean, it really depends on like what ship you're dropping on, right? If you're in a Kurfürst, you aren't going to do any evading. And it also, as usual, depends if you have the, the option to turn or if you're showing broadside to something else then. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of it is going to come down, and we'll we'll see how things shake out over the next few weeks. Um, if Mary says they've already actually had to dish out a couple of nerfs, I think, particularly to Pobeda and Nakhimov. But we'll see. I've only actually got up to sell off myself, thanks to the fact that I reset a couple of research lines, so I'm a, I'm a bit short on free XP at the moment. Right. Well, and there are like German battleships, although they haven't been fully released yet, right? It's it's just you can't earn tokens any longer. Ah, uh, yes. So the German battle cruisers, more or less, are still floating about. I am not sure if they're going to give us another opportunity to pick up tokens. I don't. 
think so, but I could be wrong here. I think you can just buy them now if you want, and the, the right. uh, where you can farm tokens that part is over. I've managed mm-hmm. to get the tier 7, so, you know, and once they go live, I'll just unlock the others. Yeah, I I got up to the tier 5, the Devflinger, but uh, again, it's something to grind, it's something to do, and a lot of people seem to be having quite a lot of fun with these. Yeah, I, I've I, the, the Mackinson have formed very well for me, and the Heinrich I have only recently unlocked. I haven't played it that much yet, but there is a lot of potential in the Heinrich too. Okay. Um, and Hamburg's had a do-over. I don't think it's actually meant to be on fire, but that's just the effect of the dawn sky. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't actually looked at the Hamburg port yet. I've been using, I think, I think one port that got the visual overhaul. Yeah, it pretty. I think it pretty much defaulted everyone back to the Philippines yeah. port because that got overhauled, and it I've I've stayed there as well. And like I say, the visual overhaul looks. Re- oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! I mean, that is just amazing. Is the only word for it. Um, I, I have even. Um, I've even been once on Two Brothers and once on the Volcano map. They they also look pretty amazing. I can't wait for them to overhaul all the maps. Yeah, that that is... Yes, more of this, please. I, I know we've all said that the art department uh, sometimes seems to be carrying this game, but I think once again, they they're kind of proving that point. Yeah, okay. they have just, you know, just the intentionals of the waters and all of that. I mean, yes. once again, the art department just... There is also apparently new underwater, not that I've played a submarine yet. But... And possibly, you know, I mean, sharks, because, you know, your your mascot might feel lonely, so... Mm. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's it's stuffed with cotton wool. I I doubt it has the capacity to feel lonely at all. I'm not an expert on sharks. No, neither am I. So uh, it, he doesn't say much. Right, clan battles coming back. Seven v seven, tier ten. No interest. Okay, no carriers. I think we all saw that one coming. These days, people tend to riot if you say, "Hey guys, let's have a competitive mode with aircraft carriers." It does tend to result in burning torches, pitchforks, and for that matter, burning pitchforks. Well, they did two carriers last time, and it wasn't well received. <laughs> What's more interesting to me is the third part of the restrictions. A team cannot have two identical ships. So, huh. Does does that complicate things for people? I mean, I'm not really somebody who plays clan battles. And I mean, I, I like it in the sense that it forces more diversity on it. And it's also a very simple counter to everyone spamming the one overpowered ship in a sense. So I oh, generally yeah. like that there's a restriction, but then again, I'm not a clan battle player. So, but if I feel like this is a good thing, right? No carriers and only one 
I ship. Makes sense. It's an, int- it's an interesting thing. Um, I don't play cat- clan battles either, so it'll be interesting to see how what the teams make of the meta. And it's it's always nice to see things just shaken up a bit. So that was just a wee, okay. <laughs> yeah, cat. Uh, moving on. Speaking of burning pitchforks, submarines. submarines. Yeah, I've I've had about two hours of submarine action post 10.10 all i'm gonna say is i have managed to make the keel breakers work once and that was against an aircraft carrier at the end of a game that was sailing in a straight line and had quite clearly given up and i have also sent about five salvos after a fletcher at six kilometers on a variety of single and double pings and I haven't connected a single homing torpedo on the little sod. So... I mean, the thing is, I, I like that they are now dodger. That, that's the problem with homing torpedoes, right? How do you find the middle ground with making them dodgeable, uh, but mm. not, like, useless in a sense? I feel like the biggest issue, and also with, like, the damage torps, the biggest issue is that once you ping... You see that you've been pink, which means yes. you know you have to maneuver in it. And that if it's you, like. If you are thinking, yes, you get 10 seconds of warning. In fact, yeah, you get, you basically get 10 seconds of warning minimum if somebody is trying for a keel breaker shot. So yeah, slam on the rudder, cut to half power. It's just like dodging destroyer torpedoes. Yeah, it's in like fact, the, the thing is. probably easier. Yeah, if, if they, I mean, you have single launch torpedo, you can spread them out a little bit if you want, but it's like single launch of a daring or something, right? It's very powerful usually if the enemy doesn't see it coming, right? If you can catch somebody off guard, if you can get like the perfect line into his nose or something, right? Then single launch torpedoes are amazing. But with a ping, you announce that, you know, you're going to pop him. So any prediction torps are going to be off if he maneuvers. Then again, the ship doesn't know if there are homing torpedoes coming or if there are the damage torpedoes coming. But you slam the, the rudder regardless. Yeah. It, it just... It, that's the biggest issue, I feel like, with damage torps, right? It's like, if you know that you're pinged, oh, that you have to dodge. I guess you could mm. still try to spread them out a bit and create your own pantheon with them. And then... You, you can, but then at that point it's a case of well... I mean, Good it's like being it. a destroyer, right? Yeah, with about um, half the torpedoes and no backup plan. Well, what's your backup plan in a destroyer? The guns. And the speed. I mean, and if all else fails, the smoke. Okay, well, then I mean, you can always you dive can to the bottom. Yes, and the problem is that by the time you have dived deep enough to evade... You are in, you can't see anything either. Because that cuts both ways. You can still be hit by depth charges. I mean, they can still run you over with little barrels of pain, or large barrels of pain, depending on what kind of depth charge we're talking about here. Um, But But it's a better, like, escape mechanic than a smokescreen in the sense that, you know, if you're in a smokescreen, you are still there. You can be pushed in a smokescreen and you are. Like you are constrained to the area where smoke is. First, I might see you if you leave. 
As a sub, you just dive and then you sneak away in any uh, direction. And it's pure like coincidence. If you surface again and somebody is at top of you, and if your team spots you, then it's not even like that big of a deal for you because you see where the enemies are. They can't see you and you can't just go away. So you basically have to... No. No. If you're below, if, if you're at maximum depth, you lose your data link as well. Oh, you can't see the... the you uh, can't see anything if you are below well, that's good. That's operating good. depth. Um, if you're at maximum depth, the only things you can see are another sub if it's either a proxy spot and down with you, or if you've got your hydrophones running, yeah. in which case you'll get the occasional pulsed image, and it's a half-second thing. But you lose your data link the moment you go deep enough to not be seen by hydro or aircraft or proxy spotting. Yeah, but that's good. That's honestly, that's I like that. Yeah, yeah, so do I, but it has to be noted that it's not a case of um, they can see me and I can't see that. No, 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 no. no. Nobody sees anything. <laughs> It's still uh, a very they, good escape, too. It, it's an escape move, provided they haven't got one of their own subs. And as I note, if they think you're in the area and they, if, if there's still that little last contact marker on the minimap, um, expect lots of angry flying boats to pay you a visit. Oh, yeah, that's, that's like... Uh... <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't need to see you to hit you. Yes. But that's a very brief, like, that. that the, it's mostly like when you have contact, when you get spotted and the enemy pays attention. And you immediately need to dive yeah. and uh, break away in one direction in order to avoid getting wrecked. Yeah, and I would argue that that is a similar situation to a torpedo destroyer getting yeah. caught out. But a you torpedo to... destroyer is significantly faster and does at least get the option of shooting back. I mean, I said in order to use your smoke, you have to basically turn around because if you're going full speed towards the enemy, the smoke doesn't do anything. So you either have to slow down, which makes an easy target or turn so that you can deploy the smoke behind you. Yeah. So there's a certain element of swings and roundabouts to it. Um, I, I'm going to repeat something I've been saying a while now. Submarines are basically the Japanese torpedo destroyers in hardcore mode. Um, if you like that style of gameplay, you're going to love the subs. If it's not your thing, then you're going to loathe them. But what I would also note is that a lot of what I'm hearing sounds remarkably like what was being said right the way back at, around release, when everyone was down at Tier 5, everyone was new, there weren't too many Hydra sets, and the Miyakaze was running around murdering Congos in New York's left, right, and center. Uh, what was it that Jingles said back in the day? Uh, during the beta, more Minikaze sank more tonnage and more ships than anything else in the game. But keep uh, in mind that Minikaze has been nerfed three times since then. <laughs> yeah. And I would suggest that they might have overcooked it a little, but that's just me. Um, I would say at this point, in my opinion, but I'm basing this off... One, only a couple of hours with subs in 10.10. And two, a, there is going to be, I may still have a degree of adjustment shock going on here because I played them pretty extensively in 10.9. I would say that they, Wargaming should probably slice maybe 10, maybe 25%, maybe 20%, something in that bracket, off the stop homing ranges for all classes. 
because right now, well, in 10.9, it was also trivially easy for an alert battleship to evade homing torps, as odd as that might sound, provided um, you were provided you weren't blindsided and you yes, turned yes away and when no. you got pinged. The, the those, thing is, you can tended to miss. If if you can like slightly angle against the ping, basically, right? And if the sub didn't do anything fancy, like torp on the side and ping you later so that the torps come from unexpected direction. But if it's a sub, uh, to, uh, sub that basically just torps from the exact same direction it pings from, and then uh, you are able to turn your nose towards it, then they were very easy to dodge. But mm-hmm. as soon as you can't turn freely as a battleship, you were just caught pants down because otherwise you might give broadside. And the other thing is an, an easy way for a sub to counter that, well, easy is like, basically you launch like two torps and you ping. And, you know, the, the way to dodge torps is obviously you need to slow down and turn so that they pass in front of your nose, right? But if you do that, you basically no. turn more towards the ping. Because if they're completely nose on, you can't dodge anyway. And if you are too slow, then they basically home too much towards you and you can't dodge anyway. You need enough speed that the top tries to intercept you and then you can dodge. And with each top that comes towards you, you have to like slow down and turn more towards the top, meaning the next salvo is harder to dodge. And if as a, a, a submarine, you just keep like the, the top of the top of the top coming, then you can't, uh, there comes a point where dodging doesn't work any longer, right? You can dodge at the start and it gets worse and worse and then you're just food. The solution to that and the solution that I've seen from an awful lot of very untorpedoed battleships has been to turn away. I, well, if you can, if you sail away, that's, that's, uh, that makes it easier. But if, if they, the submarine is in front of you, right? If you make a full turn, then you show them your broadside, right? If the torps no, just arrive when they, you literally just put your stern to the ping. Uh, and then you just wiggle a little back and forth. And what happens yeah, but is... Look, it's up in the front of you. It pings your nose. What you going to do? You can around. completely around. Yes, but yes. you don't know where the torps are. The torps will hit you while you turn. The torps have got a turning radius of somewhere between two and three kilometers. And once they're within two kilometers of you, they stop homing. Yes. Hmm. I know, so but it, you, it... you stand on the rudder. This is the solution. This is the miracle. The damage control is the oh shit button. If something has gone horribly wrong and you've got somehow got a horrid, horrid salvo of keelbreakers running in towards you. Um, I, as I say, I have seen a few absolute monster keelbreaker shots, but rather like destroyer torpedoes, it's been a case of. I have needed a cooperative target to land salvos like that. And even then, okay, well, fine, you've just eaten six. Yeah, and if a Shimikaze or a Gearing had dumped 10 or 15 into you at these same conditions, you'd be very, very dead instead of just staggering away with a large hole in your hull. Um, why do subs even need homing torps, Peaches? Because you only get six of them is the quick answer to that one. Yeah, but they are on a pretty fast reload. The, the, the one thing is obviously that they need to change depth, in a sense, in order for the submarine diving and so to somewhat work uh, the way they want it to. And uh, so they need to at least change height. 
And the other part is that once Wargaming has an idea, they just, they are like, they, they really don't like discarding ideas, no matter how bad they are. So they are going to drive the homing thing home, uh, no matter what happens. But the problem is that homing is just so hard to balance, because, as we've said earlier, right, if the, if it homes too much, it's undodgeable, and if it doesn't home enough, then you're forewarned that a torpedo is coming, and it's probably too easy to touch. Finding a middle ground there is going to be damn hard. Yes, and at the moment I think, particularly for battleships, they have got it a smidge too far towards the easy-to-dodge side. Destroyers were absolutely, absolutely needed the extra warning yes. that they got in Cruisers 10. Too. Cruisers to an extent. But again, I do wonder if perhaps they've swung it a little too far. But as I say, part of that might just be adjustment shock and skill level on my part. So I've managed about two hours with subs in 1010 thus far. So yeah, I haven't early played days, a sub yet. Early days, we'll see how it goes. Um, the other thing I'd note is that subs... Okay, this is mildly amusing. Subs were pretty good at detecting hostile ships while underwater. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so, what's happened? So, at the moment, if you're on the surface, standard detection rules apply. If you're at periscope depth, I'm trying to source this. I've seen a couple of people claim that it's air spotting ranges instead. Um, I've seen a couple of claims that it's just a percentage penalty to the spotting radius, but you can't spot as effectively. As in, I think it's air spotting because I have been on the surface, seen something like a destroyer mm -hmm. or a cruiser, dived down to scope depth, and I've lost the contact. And I've also had a couple of destroyers pop up at 2.2, 2.3 kilometers, maybe 2.5, when I've been at periscope depth. So I, I personally think it's air spotting. I just haven't found a definitive source on the matter. I remember um, something about air I mean, I've changed a lot on submarines over the times, but I think it's air spotting too, yeah. Yeah. However, once you go below periscope depth, it is now proximity spotting, two kilometers only. Which is a good thing. Mm, arguable. But I would, I would tend to agree, but... This idea that submarines are somehow an ultimate ninja spotter that cannot be counted. No, no, no. It's it's just like having a destroyer out on picket, and even to get that, you've got to be surfaced. So, hooray. I mean, the, the, the problem was, right, that as a submarine, you could basically dive, and you could still spot the enemy, especially if you were facing, like, a cruiser, for example, that has no planes. You can't just keep him spotted and you can reverse, even if he could spot you back in some way or form with a hydro or something, right? You still keep him visible and he can't do anything to you, right? You're basically completely, utterly safe while you can keep this guy spotted. And that was like really an issue. Well, these days it's proxy spotting. So if you're below scope depth and you can see him, he can most definitely see you. Yeah, but and now it gives you possibly a chance. Two kilometers, I mean, for subs are fast. Not even with two kilometers, there is a there is guaranteed that you can get the depth charges atop of him, right? Eh? Uh, any surface ship is faster than the sub. Yeah, but if they are going in the same direction, you don't like 
it's not so. I mean, subs can move up to like 30 knots or so, right? I mean, uh, yeah. If you do like 32 knots, it takes you quite a bit of time. Like you have to basically like depth charges drop into your rear, right? And then they are delayed when they explode. So if the sub's two kilometers in front of you and running away and you're running after it, it takes a lot of time for you to overtake it and be in a position where you drop. All the while you're spotted. Depends on the ship to an extent, but in that solution, you just turn around and you break contact. Yes, with two kilometers, it's now possible to do that. With with the spotting range, it wasn't. Mm. Anyhow, um, so yeah, subs... Subs have taken a big whack with the Nerf bat, and I must admit I am of the opinion that it might have been overkill. I don't want to say they've been nerfed to the seabed, but mm, we'll see. Moving on, before Atom and I kill each other, uh, <laughs> division achievements. Yay, finally, it only took six years. Oh, yeah. That's a very welcome change for the community has been asking for since the start of the game. And yep. uh, I like them. Yes, and it's nice to see the option as well. I do wonder if we're going to see the same thing with Brothers in Arms that we do in the World of Tanks, Brothers in Arms. So some ad hoc divisions, everyone realizes, hey, you've got two kills, I've got two kills, we can, hey, we can get ourselves a shiny. Um, Possibly, yeah. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, the division stars have come back as well. Um, so 75 stars. What are division stars? Mm. Scroll down a bit. Yeah. So these are back. So basically, as far as I can tell, every time you play in division with your clanmates, you get a division star. I think it's per one star per clanmate. Okay. Um, however, actually, actually, no, I'm wrong. They have tweaked this, so you can get you get one star for winning. You get one star for coordinated attack. So the division racks up seven killing blows uh-huh. between its members, and there is a third star available if you get the strike team achievement. So that is more than fifty percent of the total normal HP of the entire enemy team. The thought occurs if you manage to run up the uh, Division Kraken, you have probably run up Strike Team in the process. But you never know. And there are some fairly juicy rewards. I'm seeing there are a couple of nice little shots of steel at the 20 and 25 star mark. Oh, yeah. Mm. So that is that is going to be... Option. It's just this wording of playing with each of your clanmates can bring you up to three stars. So the question is, is that up to three stars per game or is it up to three stars per clanmate? Because I think in the last run of Division Stars, it was you could get so many stars with each clanmate and then you couldn't get any more. And that did end up favoring the bigger clans. Hmm. The divisions. All right, Peter Place has pointed something out. The achievement apparently specifically states uh-huh. that the division needs to be going before. Uh, actually, where does it say that? Because 
That can only be earned by playing as part of a division in a random battle. The above things can be in random battles. Hmm. I don't see it saying that, Peachy. It's possible that it says it in-game or something. Possible, possible. I may have missed that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Because, of course, it is, it is a fairly common practice in World of Tanks. And again, people may not bother ever since they took the rewards away from the achievements. So, <laughs> slash shrug. I, I wish they'd at least put the economic rewards back in. I understand why they don't want the combat power flags tied to uh, achievements, because that tends to mean the players that are getting the achievements get a small edge and therefore are more likely to get the achievements. And so you establish a virtuous or vicious cycle, depending on which side of it you're on. True, but uh, it's, it I has been no... in the game for too long for it to stop. And also, I mean, they are selling the flag so everybody could just... Yeah. I, well, as I say, I, I understand why they don't want the combat power flags. So stuff like Sierra Mike, Juliet Charlie, and November Echo Set 7. But if you go with stuff like Zulu or similar, the XP flags, the credit flags, I don't see a problem yeah. with those on achievements as a reward. So there, there is a halfway house between all the flags and no flags whatsoever. And just having the economic flags is a nice, happy medium, as far as I can tell. Right. Meanwhile, Gibraltar's in the Research Bureau. Woo! I didn't get a chance to play her. I've seen her a couple of times, and as far as I can tell, she appears to be built for the murder of underage boats. <laughs> I think she um, can also murder cruisers rather effectively with those guns. If, well, if <laughs> you know, if they aren't angling enough because of the nice uh, pan angles. She can certainly murder British light cruisers because she can overmatch those through the bow. But 234 mil, anything else should be able to go bow in and donk the majority of her shots unless she starts. Yeah, but she has like, she has enhanced angles. So people don't know how much they have to angle and then suddenly your demon gets the crap sitted out of it because you thought you were angled. But you were. If, if you're stupid enough to expose flank, yes. Pointy end towards enemy. Um, well, pointy end towards Gibraltar in this case should stop the worst of it. But good luck maintaining that and worrying about everyone else. So yeah, she can, she should definitely uh, get her murder on quite effectively. Uh, maybe struggle a little against battleships, but at that point you just go to the old British standby of abuse the superstructure until it falls oh, yeah. over. Um, I went to bought Vampire 2 last week. Yeah, oh. I'm basically ignoring the research bureau. <laughs> yeah, and Tulsa is long as well, so Tier 9 Des Moines. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it's got 8 barrels or 9. I think it's 8. But pretty much Des Moines auto loaders are slightly slimmed down. Is it like six? It might be. Um, uh, I think it's just the same as Des Moines, just one barrel less per per turret. Okay. I I always thought they'd gone for if they were using Ah, twin. Yeah, it says she's armed with six two hundred three millimeter guns. Six barrel Des Moines. Thank you. So yeah, one third drop in firepower. 
I'm looking I forward to this one. I'll definitely grab it. I love the Des Moines, and I mean, if it's uh, tier 9 Des Moines, give it. Mm, I don't... I'm, I'd be tempted. But if it was this or Salem, I think I'd probably go for the Salem. Purely for the extra guns. Well, I mean, Salem's tier 10. That as well. But with matchmaking where it is, how often do you see seven nine spreads or eight nine spreads outside peak times these days? Well, I only play peak times, so. <laughs> oh well, in that case, that's not a problem. Uh, Austin's got a new paint job. Not a bad one either. It, it, it is bitey. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I don't have an Austin, so I guess I don't care. Let's in the end, but I like the, the shark mouth. And it's clan tokens as well, so neither of us is ever going to see it. So that's short, sweet, and simple. Uh, festive and Soviet tokens have gone, unsurprisingly. And yep. we have a variety of nerfs. Zhao has an extra 2,000 health. And Pedro has half a I... second worth reload. Now everything is balanced. I need the world's smallest champagne bottle, and I have no idea where to get it. <laughs> Uh, uh FDR's planes are actually that is as eight percent nerf give or take on their health pools. So it's probably not. It's, it's basically it's basically losing an extra plane quicker in the same damage that you would otherwise keep it, if you follow me there. It yeah. it's not going to stop the first attack, but if you were maybe thinking about pushing in a third wave, you now you might only get two, or if you go push a fourth wave, you might only get three, depending on the amount of fire you're running into. A um, lot of other little changes and just tweaks around the edges. Interestingly, they've up the uh, secondaries on a lot of the tier two cruisers. I mean, they basically said that they fixed uh, some. Box. It looks like they're standardizing on 3.2 kilometers because a lot of the tier twos that were short have gotten up, but the Chikuma has got knocked down from 3.5 to 3.2. I mean, so they I basically, to... in the original uh, uh, dev block, they said that those were bug fixes. Basically, they didn't have the intended ranges and they now have. Yeah. Not that everyone is ever going to notice. Mm, no. Oh, I don't know. I mean, tier two can still get fairly crazy, can't it? So that pretty much wraps us up on the 1010 article. So moving on to the dev blogs. Yes, we have the, the first dev blog I guess we're going to talk about are uh, the New Year celebration, dockyard technique changes and other news. So we've got the dockyard in now. Yep, and we're off to Clydebank in the good old north of England. Where apparently they have been fitting out Dreadnought with a very starry Christmas camo. See, I couldn't even have told you that Clydebank is in England. <laughs> and TIL. So, uh, okay. it's a 32-phase stockyard, and once again the last five uh, have to be bought. Yeah, so that's seven and a half thousand doubloons minimum to get the Marlborough. 
Uh, Dreadnought at stage six, Repulse at stage 18. Um, yes, I mean, you get two free ships, right? That's worth noting because, like, those are things you can complete for free, right? So, two free yes. ships. Yeah, I mean, the big question mark on this, of course, and the thing that has started, well, we kind of have to recalibrate the word riot after this summer. Um, disturbances? <laughs> vocal disagreements? Has been the difficulty of the mission. Yeah. I mean, I no longer claim that you can get the last ship for free, and considering the last dockyards they've done, I, I, I'm hoping that it's reasonable to complete all 27 stages, and you only need the 18 for, like, the repulse. Yeah, and I think Dreadnought I... and repulse are some very nice ships, too, to be getting for free. I mean, from... Yes. That they are actual ships. For one thing, and of course, repulse is our first R-class, I think. Um, so she is actually fairly historically significant. Of course, Dreadnought, come on, the whole the whole ship epoch is named after her. How how can you not know about HMS Dreadnought? Slayer of Submarine. One submarine. And she didn't even use her guns for it. Uh, and so, uh, tier, tier 10 was uh, uh, tier 9 Marlborough is the last reward where you have to spend money for I forgot what hmm. we've seen the stats of the Marlborough but I kind of forgot we was that the King George thing um, my first thought is it looks like a King George V that's had an excessive number of 14 inch guns slapped onto it so we've got two quad turrets at the front, and at least one—I can't know if that's one or two at the back. I think it might be sixteen, fourteen-inch guns on a tier nine battleship. Sixteen gun KGVs. Mm -hmm. So that—that uh, that could be hilarious at tier nine. Assuming she gets the British high explosive rounds, I think when I've, I mean, I've, I've seen the stats in a previous death block. I think there was something like her high explosive isn't that great. Well, well, if again, I remember we'll correctly. Oh. Um, and yeah, there we go. We've got the shot at the back of uh, Marlborough under construction further down. And yeah, that does confirm eight guns forward, eight guns aft. And. Yep, 16 guns, KGV level HE. Yeah. Mind you, it's Battleship HE, so to a certain extent it's kind of, hmm, do I really... Well, the improved <laughs> HE round would be nice, but honestly, do... Any HE round. Yeah, when you're, when you're throwing 16 rounds downrange every 25 to 30 seconds. Hmm. That'll be interesting. They have a new kind of competition going for New Year's as well. Um, the organized, uh, competition organized by three snow giants who were revived by magic stars. I mean, I, we all I'm, knew I'm that this asking. game had magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm considering the number of people alleging that various ships have got impossible power plants. And I mean, literally, they would not fit in the ship's hull and they're clearly being propelled by magic. Um, it, it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch, honestly. 
Uh, I mean, so... it, it just looks like what they've done, like in the past, with like the German, where you selected the three, of, what was it, four beasts or so, and then the Russians yep. where you selected the bureau. Now they have just it just went with magical stars. Because why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Christmas, you know. Yes, and the London port is getting an update as well. Apparently sponsored by Hamleys. Unique rewards for each team will be themed Commander Snow Giants. Uh, doesn't say anything about a unique voiceover, I think. Right? Then again, how would Snowman even talk? Uh, oh, Snow Giants, not Snowman. Well, Snow Giant Men, I mean... There, there are some things I think the immortals should not contemplate. Possibly. Hmm. Let's see. Also, I guess we have Sinterklaas, Snow and Stars camos, London gets its rework, and there's New Year's collection. Indeed. Much of this course we'll get a better look at once they publish more details on. So at the moment it's just pretty pictures and, oh, this could be interesting. Um. It, hmm. I, I'm still a little bit, uh, well, halfly weirded out with the snow giant men. Like, I mean, I, I dig the, the other, like, when I, when I look at where, where you open the crates and how it's designed with the, like Christmas mark and so on. But like those snow giant captains, they are, I, not what I don't you expected. know. <laughs> not, not really. Also not with the description of snow giants is, uh, Maybe, maybe there's something yeah. in Russian folklore that we're not familiar with. <laughs> entirely possible. Uh, yeah. Yes, entirely possible. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, yes, some new sound presets as well as the option to tweak in detail. Um, I mean... It's nice to have. Just have some yeah. quick and easy options to tune, and then you can dive into more detail if you want. I have to admit, I tweaked my sound settings when I installed, and then it was basically set and forget. Oh, really? Because they have broken the sound settings at least like five times, I think, since release. Then I have gotten very, very lucky on multiple occasions because... Yeah, there used to be me. a time where, like, every time after a patch, you were like, oh, shit, I have to tweak the sounds again because, like, now my turrets are ten times as loud as they used to be. I, I somehow evaded all of this. Um, and a new uh, ship demonstration uh, screen for purchasing. Also, they have added underwater worlds to the scenario maps which in all either they are covering their bases or they are potentially considering allowing subs into scenarios i mean i wouldn't be surprised if they Subs. Well, I mean, on the one hand, I really don't want to do anything for scenarios, but they love subs so much that they might even be willing to contemplate doing something for scenarios. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, let's see, what else have we got? Oh, yes. Uh, Fasso has her new camouflage. 
Yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I am not sure whether it is <laughs> epic or hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, a bit weird because I, they went with like a castle design that actually looks sort of stylish. And then there was like, you know, what's this missing? A massive samurai on top that makes no sense. But then I again, mean, they needed just I, a very high tower. Part of me almost wonders why they didn't just do the pagoda on the pagoda mast and just roll with that theme. I, I still want my crash test, my crash test dummy skin for Fasol, though. <laughs> <sighs> Such I don't know. I I I want like that massive samurai there on top to to be moving and to, to draw his sword and <laughs> attack. Oh yes, yes, yes! Do it, wargaming. Do it. You know, have, have you because... have you ever played what was it? Red Alert. Rios? Yeah. Uh, what? Which was the one with the where they brought the Japanese in? Red Alert three. Um, oh, it might be Red Alert Two. No, I think it was Red Alert Three, where they where they brought in the Rising Sun. It just got completely bonkers. If it yeah. wasn't already completely, I mean, bonkers. I could so see that that skin like working in in like Red Alert kind of. I mean, there was this giant, yeah. Yeah, this giant statue that went around with like three samurai upper body parts or so on with giant swords or something. The, the, the King Oni, I think it was called. I also vaguely remember something about freaking laser beams from its eyes, but that may just be yeah. my memory playing tricks. Yeah, that that would be epic. I, I don't think it will, because it will play havoc with the hitbox. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Still. I, I, still, I still want my crash test dummy scheme though i mean they've they've used her as examples so many times in their videos that really they ought to reflect that fact still it's nice to see the facade getting a bit of love as opposed to artillery right so elsewhere uh the anniversary camo and the early morn the rising camo are getting basically replaced they're swapping out the bonuses but keeping the visuals I don't remember seeing the rising camo before, but I may have missed how you got it. Uh, does, does anyone remember seeing this early morning paint job before? Because I don't. No, I I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, I mean, for Valiant Services, the plain white anniversary camo. That one's pretty well known. I, I do not recognize the early morning paint job. Really don't. I mean, it's nice enough. I just don't remember seeing it in game at all. I mean, I want to know how to to get more of the white camo though. Anniversary. Uh, I think that's literally the only point they hand it out to you. I think it's yeah, about yeah, but since they're here. changing it now, right? They say details on those bonuses will be announced later. I I mean, if if they are. Um, Changing those camels, then I presume they are going to make them available, right, in some way or form, in any event or whatever. Well, my understanding is that they are literally just replacing the. Uh, so early morning will replace rising, and for valiant service will replace for meritorious service, in terms of supply. 
I don't know whether they're going to replace camos that you've already got. But I think, if memory serves, uh, I th I think it was it something to do with repair costs. Yeah, I, it was be... post post battle service cost was reduced yes. on those. Yeah, I think they're getting rid of that and tweaking some other bonuses in. Um, let's see. So next up, we have some tweaks to the test ships: Kramat, Harbin, and Seon Sejong. Ah, oh, yeah, I mean that. Hmm. I mean they're they're just they've just nerfed the ballistics basically. They're going higher and heavier. So on the one hand, since since we haven't really seen them yet, I guess we can't. Exactly, it's all a bit eh. Okay, <laughs> fine, that's wonderful. Um, we'll see what they're like when we actually get our hands on them. But yeah. more importantly, there are like actually new ships announced. Yes, and this is the stuff that came up in the King of the Sea final, by way of the first announcement. And one ship I was not expect. Well, let me rephrase that. Two ships I was not expecting to see, and one that I was hoping we would. Yeah, I mean, the Daido is is a nice change. Yes, I mean, considering that they're putting a basically fictional Pan Asian version, it's nice that they've actually yeah. got the Daido in as a British premium, and. Yeah, yes, thank you. Uh, I will probably go out and buy that. Um, apparently, Killabin said he sent a rather strongly worded letter to Wargaming on the point. Um, a few people have leveled criticism of the camo, and I think it was Bogsy said, great, thanks, we'll pass it on to the art team and re-research. So apparently, the dark blue is meant to go a bit higher in places. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell you. I haven't seen a colour photo of the Dido, so can't judge. But We'll we'll see how how the uh, British Mini Atlanta does, and go from there. Uh, let's see the Canarias, the basically Spanish County class, complete with neutrality stripes. I mean, that that Canarias was with Gestership announced already, so now they've basically just yeah, and we also have. Confirmation companies. First off, she'll have the same burst fire mode as Conde, Annapolis, and Zorki, or at least a similar one. And also, New Nation added Spain, so that's another nation they're spinning off from the Pan Europeans. Yes. Is there going to be a Pan European Navy left after this? I mean, they can always just invent ships, right? I mean, you need to put the Swiss and Austrian ships somewhere. Okay, they've, okay you've got the Austrians, but. They basically don't have a name. Well, they don't exist after 1918, as the Austro-Hungarian Empire collapsed. Look, we um, have a, we have an entire uh, battleship line for the Germans based on like a World War One ships, right? So. I withdraw my objection. <laughs> and Sevastopol, uh, Project 69-1, I believe that this was what would have happened or might have happened if the German army hadn't decided to stage their summer holidays in 
the uh, Urals in 1941. Uh, because I think the, the Russians were in the process of buying those German guns and turrets when the war started. There was, okay, fine, well, let's slap them onto the now instead. So it's not implausible. I think a lot of people, however, are annoyed that it might be power creeping the Siegfried and possibly not a morning person. Um, am I a morning person? Uh, good question. Why would I not be a morning person? What did I? The, the, no. the camel. The, the oh, camel the was called uh, oh, rising, something okay. morning or early rising or so. Yes. Uh, no, and we uh, both didn't know anything about early rising. Yes, yes, yes. Heresy, heresy, I tell you. Uh, mind you, Scotland in winter, how do you tell the difference? Um, <laughs> anyhow, back on topic. So, uh, Sevastopol. Yeah, basically a Russian supercruiser with the 15-inch twin German turret from Gneisnau, Bismarck, etc. I mean, it's clearly said, what, we, what we needed is another tier 10 Russian cruiser. <laughs> I mean, there yeah, are, how many is that? Six now. We we have uh, Moskva, Stalingrad, Petro, Nevsky, Smolensk. It's it's number six. It's number six. Um, yeah, uh, improved ricochet angles on German fifteens. That could be spicy, and quite good concealment parameters. But I don't see torpedoes. And I don't see a colossal amount of secondaries on the photograph. So... Well, I mean, Russians aren't really... Not, even if it had secondaries, they wouldn't mm. pinch it. So it would be pointless anyway. Maybe, maybe. Probably. But we'll see. Um, I suspect it's going to annoy the uh, Siegfried and the Gear crowd to an extent. I, I mean, I don't know. It's a tier 10 and not a tier 9. They're still going to be facing it, though. Well, true. I mean, I, I'm just afraid it's going to be once again a Russian cruiser with a rather low citadel, probably 32mm armor and an ice break. And good stuff. Because yes. that's what's needed. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where the numbers go, I think. But, uh, yeah, that could be... But it doesn't have radar, work so, out okay, you know. or it's going to be an or it's going to be a horrific sniping monster against which you may not angle if you were showing anything other than complete pointy end towards enemy. Moving on again, we have a ship that I was completely not expecting to see, despite that it's historical, the USS Forrest Sherman. Um, yeah, my my ship knowledge here is is not great enough. So, can you tell us something about the forest? Uh, pretty much. They're a 1950s design of destroyer. So their focus switches more over to anti-air and anti-sub work rather than engaging capital ships. Guns, basically three single five-inch. In this case, they're getting high explosive and semi-armor piercing. I have a little bit of reservation about that. We actually have a ship with three rapid-fire five-inch guns down at Tier 8. Uh, the Harakaze 10 to 12. Yeah, nobody no, uses nobody it. 
hate it. <laughs> uh, because it's hot garbage. Uh, even with rapid fire, the, if you only have three barrels, that tends to put a fairly tight limit on just what you can do with the ship's guns. I mean, it just has to be uh, even more rapid firing, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, how fast are the DACA boats going already? I mean, I think we're down, we're a lot of the time we're brushing down towards two seconds. That isn't the really interesting thing. The really interesting thing is the torpedoes. Because yeah, for single tube launchers. Mm, two on either side, port and starboard, with a, quote, very narrow aiming sector. Now, give me a second. I'm just going to zoom in on the photo. Okay, there they are. They are they're on the first level of the just behind the bridge just a beam of the first smokestack yeah i think yes I think I those that. are those are singles we haven't seen yes. singles since the mutsu and the smith yes and they reloaded in 30 seconds the angles aren't brilliant because those were actually anti-sub torpedo launchers. They weren't intended for surface mm -hmm. work. But uh, the thought occurs that while it, this thing is not going to have a clobbering alpha strike, it is going to dish out a surprising amount of hurt if you let it go to work for, say, two minutes. Well, but the, the trick is going to be surviving those two minutes. I mean, you you have uh, like the, the problem is if you have such bad angles, then like you have to launch four on one side, then turn completely, and launch the four on the other side because you don't like you're not like a, a, a Benham where you can Benham launches on one side, turns launches on the other side, but it has very reasonable angles, so you, can, you don't have to make yeah. a full turn. If you can basically just launch perpendicular, it's gonna be a hassle to use. Yeah, I mean you're gonna literally be doing donuts in this thing cycling one salvo turning around cycling the other pair by the time you get turned back around again the first pair's reloaded cycle again and your turret gun crews are probably going to be getting dizzy i hmm, i wonder if those turrets can do 360 degrees i mean it's a shame we had I don't think you have stats right yeah Wait, we do have stats. We do have stats. We do have some early stats on them. So, so 25,000 health. The other concern I've got is the speed. 33.9 knots. Because that makes it... I think the only thing that's slower might, in terms of destroyers might be the Harugamo. Peaches, the Sherman is nothing like the Benham. It really isn't. No, um, no, it's... Uh, we, we, we've seen the stance now. It has 81 second reload and four torps per... No. You can launch yeah. basically eight torps or... Oh, it's two that's... on either side. Oh, it's only two on either side. It's, it's only two on either side. And I thought yeah, that okay. reload was going to be a considerably quicker one. 
Um, yeah, because okay, okay fuck it. One for a twin, <laughs> yeah. That the talks on that thing are basically going to be a sideshow. They're not the main armament at all, which yeah. brings you back to the guns, and then it's a case of okay, two point five second reload, eight hundred eight meters per second velocity, three barrel. I, as I say, I am just reminded of all the reasons why nobody uses the ten twelve config on the Harakaze. Yeah, I'd, like 2.5 doesn't seem enough reload for only three guns. And those tops, yep. like, they also don't seem to, like, it, it, it's just yeah. way too much reload <laughs> for so little tops. It, it, it's just, where, where's the deep, okay, I appreciate there's no alpha, but where's the DPM? Yeah, like, it, what, what are you supposed to do? Yes. Yeah, I I do not. I mean, right now, to me, that looks slow and undergunned. I mean, yeah. it's pretty chunky for a destroyer, but it pays for that by being horrifically slow. I mean, even the... I mean, what? Harugamo does 33. Most destroyers do at least 35. This thing is bimbling in a hair under 34. Um, okay, that one not doesn't sound huge, but it's that extra, it's that extra fraction. It sounds like a weird variation on Friesland. Yes, yes, it does. Um, except Friesland is faster, and I am still not sure, looking at that picture, whether or not it's going to have the 360 degree rotation that lets Friesland play the jink and kite game the way it does. And so, 8.3 to the kill piece, so it's it's not particularly stealthy. It's not no, well armed. I mean, it doesn't have great tops. It seems like just a head scratch. But it has sap. It's, I, guess it's a I, think sap I guess I think sap does have superpowers or something. Mm, 36 millimeters penetration. You might mess up bow plating with it, but good luck on decks or anything that's actually armoured. Um, I mean, it's I mostly ex- to possibly against other DDs. Yeah. I Again, we'll see how it does in testing, but I have extreme doubts about this ship at the moment, just based on the paper. Um, Dido's got her 5 by 2 Oh, yes, and the S189 is being added. And we know nothing else about it, except the fact that this is actually a museum ship. Well, museum boat, technically, in St. Petersburg. I mean, it's it's rather sad that they haven't even figured out how subs work, but they are already having the premium ready to go. Well, we... We kind of knew there were premiums coming, so that's a huge surprise. And what does puzzle me is that the fact that they are not ready to say anything about concept and characteristics for the S-189, we kind of had an early peek at the Russian sub, so it may be that they're pulling that whole idea of fairly average, but with a repair party, back in for a rethink. So, I mean, they first need we'll to see. figure out how other subs work, right? It's hard to develop yeah. a variation if you don't even know how the base works. 
Yeah, um, and I suspect we'll be just sticking with the Germans and the Americans for a long, long while yet, um, to the point where I am starting to wonder, I know I've said a couple of times in earlier editions of this podcast that the I think they're shooting for a January release with the subs. I now, I now have serious doubts about that a month later. I am, we're less than two, well, we are basically six weeks away from the end of the year. If they were aiming for January, I don't think they're going to hit it. So I think it's going to slide into spring at the earliest. I mean, I, I'll ask I'm, you this instead. Aren't they released yet? Basically, they've, they have kept, like they have tested submarines for like two weeks and they announced big changes. Then they kept subs in for four weeks, testing them in a complete obsolete state where they didn't actually, they weren't able to collect data, but they left them in. Now they are testing the new things. I'm pretty sure when they announce changes, they're going to leave them in. Do you really think there will be ever a time again when there are no subs in the game? They are basically more accessible than after the full release right now because they're easier to get and they are in the main battle mode. And I don't see them ever pulling them out of them again. We'll see. It's the answer to that one. Um, I can't really say one way or the other because I don't know Wargaming's plans on the matter. Uh, I agree. It's tempting to say that, oh, right, this is a beta test in the way that uh, most MMOs have beta tests, when actually what they are is soft launches and extended demos rather than test cycles. But dot slash shrug, we shall see. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, I am... we, we also have stats for, for like the other ships there, right? Yeah. And the fact that they are hanging off here does at least make me think that they are prepared to yank the whole thing back in and overhaul it as needed. Right. So... When I'm just looking at, like, the... Sevastopol, or how it's pronounced. Nothing too exciting there, I suppose. It what you'd expect. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, as you note, uh, no uh, no radar, but it does get a 20% engine boost. Yes. So my read on that is basically sprint to a firing position, dig in, use the 15s, and then relocate at speed again as you need to. Also, like, not the worst dispersion and a good Sigma for those 380s that hurt like a truck. Mm. I mean, for a cruiser gun. Yeah, 2.05 is cruiser Sigma. The fact that they are on 15-inch guns... Mm. We'll see. I, I'm holding a judgment here because... Soviet supercruisers and I don't mix, is the <laughs> quick answer there. Um, as the regular viewership will tell you, uh, bad things happen when I get behind the helm of a supercruiser, and bad things happen when I get behind the helm of most Russian boats. So when I get behind the helm of a Russian supercruiser, well, just wait for the mushroom cloud. It won't take very long. But the question is, what happens when you run into an enemy supercruiser? Oh, then the mushroom cloud happens a great deal sooner, more often than not. <laughs> so I am I am temporarily holding judgment on that. 
I'm quite happy to say the Sherman is giving me all sorts of bad juju, but that's partially based off experience with the 1012 Harakaze. And the Harakaze had a better torpedo loadout to work with. Um, what's the muzzle velocity on the Dido's guns? Um, 792. Okay. So it's not quite Atlanta ballistics, but it's going to have a decent amount of loft to it. Could have some it also has that. more range than Atlanta. Yep. And let me see. What's the rate of fire? Six seconds. Hmm. Yeah. Fun and eight kilometer torps. Yes, yes. Also, um, counts with the smoke. Only three on either side, mind you, but... I'm going to re reprise my opinion. It's not a British Atlanta. It's a British Flint. Yeah. With better range. <laughs> Once you're lower. It would be hard to have worse range. Have they? I know. I need to fix. I need to check that. Have they actually? F I know they were upping the range of the Atlanta. Did they ever get around to fixing the Flint? Uh, they, uh, they, it, I think it's like 12 something like they they changed it twice uh, no. upwards but they never went up to atlanta standards yeah uh, oh well hopefully they've still got half an eye on that but uh hmm. oh yeah my number is not it's confirmed it's 12.4 yes so no they haven't boosted it up to atlanta grade then uh on the other hand, you could argue that with the ballistics of those five-inch guns, good luck hitting anything past uh, 12k, so... Well, I mean, battleships, right, if they are, like, they are hitting, yeah. unless you have a, a thousand people, and then it gets tricky. Make it rain, make it rain, <laughs> make it rain. Yes, yes. Okay, so that pretty much covers the... Uh, King of the Sea ship announcements, yes. which brings us on to the important message from two days ago. Yes. All right. So this is a follow-up on the riot. And on the topic of that, of course, if you weren't aware, uh, the uh, Sackville Camo is apparently going to be coming. A Chubby signed over the rights. So to a large extent, it's yay! We, the community has won on pretty much everything that started off the war of the summer. So from uh, November 2021, all new containers and random bundles will be provided with complete drop rates. So huzzah, they have pulled forwards from 2022 somewhere, which was giving a yes. lot of us doubt. So yay to Wargaming for that. Um, so Black Friday New Year will be subject to this as well. This was my moment of cynicism. This was where I was saying, okay, let's see if they go for one last dip in the blind pool before mm -hmm. they institute the new rules. And they haven't done that. They've resisted the temptation. They've actually got the rules in for the big money splash of the year. Yeah. Which is a really good sign from Wargaming. True. Mm. And um, they'll, they'll add a warning. I mean, 
there are requirements for users to confirm the age of 18 plus. Those things don't really work, but I, I, I guess at least they, they tried or something. I mean, it's the internet. It's yeah, not like you, you can can't go like... around and demand. All you, all you can do to a certain extent is stick a warning up and say, yeah. um, are you sure you're over 18? Because it's not like we can demand verification from Russia. Well, I mean, <laughs> if they demand verification, they can't like make sure that it's you, right? You could just take your parents. Exactly. There and therein lies the problem. So, to a certain extent, they have got to rely on the honor system, and that's as far as they can go. Um, they they've put in the warning about the fact that yes, these things are random, and you need to be responsible about them. And they are hope being solid and open about their drop rates. And honestly, at that point, that pretty much ticks all my boxes regarding okay. You're warning people who might be vulnerable that, hey, this is random, this is gambling, effectively, and be careful. You're being completely open and honest about what the chances are. So if people do decide to drop their money on this, they are at least doing it fully informed. Yes. Um, and I have to admit, that was... That was my big hang-up. It's just a legacy of my day job, where we are pretty big on the notion of informed consent. But so... Speaking of informed, the next thing is we continue to search for alternative monetization mechanics. For example, they auction off the early achievement. This is, once again, yeah. where you are. I mean, I'm still torn about this because it's a, like it's a, going to be a free ship, right? Nobody, you're not missing really out if you don't like, get the sleeve early, exactly. and I wouldn't spend the balloons on it. But the kind um, of thing with the blind bet, like you have to buy the doubloons beforehand that you're gonna bet. So even if you lose the bet, you've already spent money on it, and you have nothing to show. I mean, you have the balloons that you can spend on something. It's exactly. it's a weird half scammy for me because. They, it, it would be really scam if they'd auction off, like, I don't know, Belfast or something. I'm, I'm not sure that I would go so far as scam. I mean, that is the nature of a blind auction. Uh, yeah, but then would you're I like, rather, really... I, would you rather see a more conventional open auction with lowest bid to be in the reckoning for a schlief, to get a schliefen is X thousand doubloons? Um, I mean, what they could they, do yes. is something like, yeah. I mean, it's hard because you, you could, if you don't have the doubloons right now, you can't bid them, but you could like basically, I guess they would be scammed too much if they said, how much would you bid? And the money only gets deducted if you win, in a sense, like you don't have to buy the doubloons beforehand. I guess people would just scam them and bid too much. Exactly, and then they'll they're going to have to work their way down the list of through people who aren't honouring their bids and get gradually work their way down. At least if people commit the doubloons and the money, well, they've still they know what they're spending. They've got the control, and if worse comes to the worst and they don't get the schliefen, well, they've still got the doubloons and they can go and. But, uh, what I just would really like to see is if instead of like, I mean, it's, it's once again, a tactic to like leverage the fear of missing, even though like you aren't really missing out, you're just getting it later afterwards. But people kind of, I feel like people just feel like, Oh, I need to get this right now. Maybe it's going to get nerfed. Maybe it's going to be super power or whatever. I feel like yeah. they could just 
Monetize more like customization. It works in every game. People are willing to spend a lot of money on full customization. Yes, continue search for alternative monetization mechanics. We've told them for years there is one that's right in front of the nose and they're using it. They're just looking. It feels like programming is still trying to look at how can we manipulate people into uh, or pressure them into just spending money. Right? They aren't looking at, well, what's a good, fair way to monetize? They're like, how can we basically rob people and get away with it? Except the flaw in your theory is that you pointed out and I point out that neither of us felt pressured to buy a Schlieffen because, hey, we're going to get them in a couple of months anyway. So Yeah, but that's we are very small sample size in that case. People, people paid, what's the 20-something K doubloons at minimum, the, the ones that got them. And they sold, how many did they sell? A thousand. So, and that doesn't count for all the people who spent the balloons and didn't get it, right? Who might only bought like 10k balloons or tried it with 15k balloons, right? True. But again, I dispute robbed because they've been completely straightforward about what yeah, you Yeah, but that's about into, psychological you pressure, you know? I mean, on the one hand, it's it, as a, you are responsible for your own money. But they are trying to manipulate you in an I feel like in a in a sleazy way. They they know mm. how people think and they are trying to, to manipulate them into spending money on stuff that shouldn't spend it, money on. Except that FOMO doesn't really apply either because well that you're not really missing out either. Well I mean, you're missing FOMO out on will... two months of you know where you could be playing it, and it could be nerfed because there might be changes in coming. Yeah, but that goes for any ship. I mean, why not go and spend even more money converting your doubloons to rush up to tier 10 on a tech tree line? I mean, that I mean, they've, people have done that ever since, yeah. since uh, the game existed. Yeah, I I would rather they had been open about and said, okay, this is the current minimum that you would need to spend to get a Schlieffen. That is my dispute with this event. But other than that, I don't really have a problem with the way they did this. I really, really don't. I, I certainly don't see any dishonesty or scamming or sharp practice here. Um, maybe I am using a tighter definition of FOMO than you are. Yeah, like I feel like they real they they know how people think these days that they want things like soon and that people might be uh, they they want a status symbol in that sense that they are the one that have a sleeve and they want to to play it directly and they don't like it's two months that you kind of have to wait for it until you can grind it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you still would have to potentially uh, grind it. It's it's like people want it here and now in a sense. And I mean, I'm slightly torn myself because on the one hand, I understand that this is something everybody can get for free. And if you spend money for it, then it's your choice. But on the other hand, I feel like they're really trying to, to milk the psychological factors. They realize how to, in a sense, manipulate people into making bad choices. Right, I still don't understand why they can't just try to 
just sell regular ships and sell more cosmetics, right? Cosmetics, they work in every damn game that does them. They they do sell cosmetics and they do sell free XP and they do sell premium ships. Yeah, but like the, the cosmetics so... they sell is so completely limited, right? You, you can't, they, they could allow you to, to, uh, configurate you like your permanent camo in a sense, right? They could allow you to, let's say you could apply the skin of, uh, re, uh, of, uh, one-time camo and, Convert it on a permanent camel for a certain price, right? Let's say for 500 doubloons, you can take one consumable camel and change that skin on a permanent, right? And you can keep doing that, right? Things like in, in most games or in, in MMOs, as you're familiar with, you have like a transmog system or glamour system, however it's called, where you can basically take a skin that you like and put it on your armor. It's something that people would immediately spend money on. And it's something that people would keep spending money on because now every time they make a new consumable camo that's cool people are interested in that just because they can put the skin somewhere right it's like yeah. there are let them put uh more more i don't know stickers on or i write a text somewhere on your ship or it's the ability uh, the the like there are endless ways how they could make more money with customization that's not very predatory, that could be very fun to engage with and that people would be interested in, right? Okay, and, so... Okay, yeah, they can go for that, sure. Yeah. I think uh, somebody said in in uh, in one of... Was it like the, the console version or so? You can actually make a consumable ammo permanent or something like that for uh, the balloon price. It's like, it's even like, I think in their own games, they have gone for, or in World of Tanks, you have more customization options for your tanks than you have here for your ships. It's like, yeah. people uh, have asked for better customization since the game launched. We have given them the feedback a lot of the time, but for some reason, it's just, I guess, too fair for them. I don't know. They don't want to make, it just seems like they don't want to make money if it's a, a fair, unoffending way. I don't know. I I don't see why any firm would be objecting to making money at all. Um, so um, that that argument to me defies logic, defies sense. So I'm not sold at all on that. I don't know why they haven't gone for it. And yeah, more customization would be nice. There's an idea I've pitched every so often, the kind of vanity ships. Um, so functionally identical, but you can swap out the nameplate. So instead of, you'd yeah. actually have Chigai, for example. But, uh, who knows, who knows? Um, I suspect this is another thing on which we are simply not going to agree. I Possibly. I, I, my view is that there's nothing dishonest about this. They're not really pushing FOMO in the sense that it's not, permanently gone um and yes i realize i'm defending wargaming having been in the pitchfork mob a few months ago but while it's not quite the way i would have done it i i don't see there's a reason to start running words like robbery or scam or predatory on this particular scheme so do i like the idea of 
you're being able to use more camos and sw- divorcing the idea of paint job and bonus might yes. be a way to go. And that, that I think might have potential, but, uh, well, maybe they just haven't considered, maybe there are some, I, I doubt there are technical reasons because it's basically a universal paint job. So, I mean, it's something that we, it, may, it, may, it may be like something the community that, has reason. I think uh, it may, uh, it, may also ju- it may also just be something that they have looked at, they've mapped out, and the information they've got back from World Tank says, well, actually, we can do it, but it's going to be a pile of work. It's probably going to introduce half a dozen bugs. It may not actually make us that much money. So uh, hmm, we'll see. I've, yeah, I have to admit, I would love to... St- I think it's worth considering, probably by wargaming, the idea of divorcing the paint job and the stats, and as you say, selling perhaps, perhaps as you say, allowing people to make a uh, disposable paint job, a permanent premium camo with the same stats as that premium camo. But again, does that then introduce database problems? Because you then have. The permanent camo, do you then need a permanent camo equivalent for each and every disposable camo in the game, for each and every ship? And if so, what does that do to your UI? What does that do to your server requirements? What does that do to your programming? And that's something I don't know. That's something I don't know enough about the back end to be able to comment on. I mean, true, we don't know exactly how it's programmed. We know that it's easily possible because most games do. But we don't know how Wargaming has, like, coded uh, their game. But I do not believe that it would be something that they couldn't figure out. It's, It's just something that they don't want to do. And what I've heard, I'm not sure who told me, but one... Once, uh, one thing that Wargaming once said was that basically they don't want to copy other because people have made statements like why don't you use this idea that's for example in World of Tanks or something like this is a good idea and why don't you do that in World of Warships and they're like we don't uh, their answer was we don't copy other games which is and considering what I've seen Wargaming do I believe that their ego is so big that they will deliberately drop good ideas for for a silly reason like that because it's sometimes the only answer to a lot of the things that they're doing. Maybe, maybe. I've not seen a statement like that, but uh, I think we've both seen enough idiocy out of Wargaming that seems to have been motivated by ego that I could believe it. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Well, where were we? Oh, they, they basically, they've changed, I think. So it used to be right when you bought the black ship, you got a mission to play the regular version of it and get the balloons. And this was the idea of a sort of a discount. So if you had both, right, basically could get the black sort of cheap, but you still paid full price, but you got the balloons back by playing the other one. But a lot of people got confused because if you only bought the black ship, you still got the mission. And a lot of people thought this was a bug because now they had a mission to play a ship that they didn't have. So now yes. you you only get the mission if you have both ships. So basically not really a change to what's how it's it's just making it clearer for people, I guess. So. Yes, and a nice touch here is that 
you will now be able to complete the mission with both variants. Yes. But you, unlike, say, I think it was last year, where you bought, if you bought Kaga B, you'd then have to get, leave the shiny paint job at home and go and yeah. binge the regular Kaga for 15 games to get the doubloons back. Um, now you can take out your shiny new black ship and, well, get the doubloons back that way. Yeah, so good change. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, revert victory bonuses that was announced already, right? You you get you get steel for like what tier? Uh, right, the nine I think you get steel. Tier ten you get uh, tokens that you can. Yes, this, this is the New Year Snowflakes victory bonus. Um, so tiers eight and nine steel, I believe that's unchanged from last year. Five tier seven, seven hundred and fifty coal, I believe, also unchanged. Five and six have gone up to seven hundred and fifty coal. The big change, however, is in the tier tens, where before you used to just get a mini Santa Borps for each win. You now get a token that you can either exchange for a mini Santa Borps, or you can put three for a big gift or five for a mega gift. And given that they're publishing the drop rates on these boxes as well. I would assume we're going to see a lot of people doing a lot of maths to work out what the most efficient use of those tokens is going to be. Yeah. So, so that, again, that's... information is good. Yeah. Choice choice is good as well. And as I say, five and six are getting more generous. Seven, eight, and nine, as far as I'm aware, are unchanged. And ten, at the very least, you're going to have the same option as last year. And you have a couple of alternatives as well. So yes. overall, I am. That's another yay for wargaming in my book. Yeah, you can't complain about that. Indeed. And then we have like they, they clarified that Kabarovsk and Kurfürst, when they're going to be replaced, you will get the camo for the new ship basically, and they are retroactively awarding the camo for. Uh, people who had the Moskva and didn't get the, the Nevsky camel. Indeed. So this was, a, this was a pain point when the change was made earlier. And again, credit to Wargaming. They're doing what a lot of people said they should have done with the Moskva. Yes. Oh, well, then, then we come to feedback and communication. I mean, I have to say, uh, what they have done very well is they have recently released a lot of bigger statements and like argued their reasoning and even shared data and so on. And I like it. Now, they still don't necessarily make sense what they are saying, but at least we can see a little bit on what goes wrong there. (laughs) And at least we now have data to make reason counterpoints rather than just going. Yes this is a load of BS, but not being able to point out and say, why this is a load of BS. Um, so huzzah for that. And Clan Season Review, well, not only did they explain what happened with the last season class, at least they've taken note of what did and did not work. Yes. Um, 10.8, of course, had the bugs and they fixed them. Bug fixes on that. They've also noted people liked voting on a new map. It's yeah. almost as if people want maps and people like, you know, <laughs> delivering feedback. Absolutely. And they like having that feedback acknowledged. 
Yes. Rather than just seeing it disappear into a pit. Um, submarine testing. So this pretty much sums up why they, where and why they went with 10.10's changes to subs. Uh, given that we've already nearly murdered each other over that topic once, shall I suggest we <laughs> skip over it? Um, uh, sure. Internal processes and some new job opportunities as well, both in uh, Europe, at, both in Prague and in Austin. And in fact, speaking of Austin, uh, Karmatic has moved on, of course. So yes. I would presume that they'll be looking for a replacement for her if Boxy isn't just stepping into her shoes anyway. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. We'll find out. So keep an eye on the Wargaming US site for that one. I guess they'll announce it there. Now, if they only let us uh, all fill out the next submarine survey, then yeah, that would be great. Well, we'll see. Um, as I say, I, I'm a little surprised they're discarding the data set that is larger than the data set they were planning to get. I mean, I can understand why they, they want to just process that 100,000. But you know what? If you've got the time and the computing capacity, do the rest as well. See what happens. I mean, it will give you an interesting divergence point if there's a significant difference between all the unsolicited responses, the voluntary ones, and the ones that you actually went out and poked people to get. Oh, kitty. Yeah. yeah uh, also, I feel like it would just make the community feel a lot better if they, if they have an option to give feedback, you know. And uh, it's, if, it's if, the optics of it. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, I have to applaud the honesty coming out and saying, well, actually, um, we've just chucked everything of that in the bin. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I say, in some position, I would run the 100,000 first. And then if we had the spare time and the spare data crunch and capacity, run the rest and just look for divergence. I mean, it may well be that what comes out of that conversation is, well, actually, the 100,000 did significantly wander off the uh, the bell curve. So we might need larger samples. We might need to ask more people. We might need to curate our data collection a bit more closely to get something representative. And the only way to find that is going to be take your curated sample, compare it to the uncurated version. And see what also, happens. I they, mean, they've got uh, a golden opportunity to do that here. He, he, I don't think he stated how many answers they got. Just that they sent about hundred first. I remember the, correctly. The, this as well. I didn't get one of the emails, so I uh, can't tell you. <laughs> mm. Although I'm not on their Christmas card list anymore after this year, so uh, side issue. Yeah, I think uh, none of them. So I hear if this. For, for this particular service, we've sent it out to about 100,000 players from those who played at least five battles in randoms. But he didn't say how many answers they got out of the. F it's basically they sent 100,000 emails. Like yes, only 10% you, you answers, they only have 10,000 10, like, data Yes, and if you, you end up wondering just how many people looked at that and then probably threw the email in the bin. Or uh, which I suppose is a known hazard when you're doing that kind of research, no matter how big the sample. 
Right. So where does that leave us on the week? Yeah, I think we've about uh, covered everything. Yep. I'm. Uh, chat, is there anything else we need to bring up? Uh, Peaches, I have not been bought. <sighs> Much. It, it's, at all. It, it's the internet, right? It, that, that's, it's the, that is right. the... the uh, yeah, yes. troll yes, answer that immediately happens every time. Yes, how how dare I suggest that Wargaming might not be the devil incarnate? Yes, he's been bought. Get him. Mm. He he doesn't hate submarines. Get him. He plays carriers. Heretic. Uh, yes, you, you true. True. I can agree now. to all points you make there. Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> is it too late to start running? Uh, uh, yes, I I know, Peach. I'm I, I'm just poking fun. This uh, I hang out on the reds. I'm fully aware of what the hive mind thinks at times. Uh, and to be fair, Wargaming's behaviour in the first half of this year was beyond the pale. But credit where's you? We've we had the fight. We seem to have won the fight. It's a shame that we had to have the fight, but at least they seem to be mending their ways. We'll see how far it sticks. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, of course. So, uh, then I think we can wrap it up here. Indeed, I, I likewise think we are done. Um, so, yes, I will see you on the seas. Yes, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching us. And we'll be back in the future. Absolutely. Cheerio. Night, everyone. Good night.